So this morning we're going to be talking about money. Uh, I had the responsibility to teach about pride. I guess I needed that. Uh, uh, I always wish I had more money, so I need. To, I guess I need a lesson on money. <laughs> so we're going to do that this morning. Um, this is the 15th of 17 lessons in the book of Proverbs. Um, and today is the study on wealth or money. The theme verse of uh, Proverbs is Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we're going to be uh, talking about uh, wisdom as it relates to money. And so here's the theme statement. Both wealth and poverty are given to us by God, but both must be handled with God's wisdom so as not to turn us away from trusting in God. Now I want to give you uh, uh, two or three uh, uh, statements, uh, general statements about wealth. The first one is that the source of both wealth and poverty is the Lord. In Ecclesiastes 5.19, furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also empowered him to eat from them and to receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Uh, so wealth is uh, a gift of God. Um, there's nothing inherently evil about wealth. Um, God sovereignly distributes wealth as he, so, as he solely uh, determines. Uh, what is, an, what is an, an issue about wealth is man's attitude, men and women's attitude towards wealth and how they use it and how they pursue it. And we'll see that as we go through our lesson. Um, this is Hannah's song. Hannah prayed for a son, uh, prayed for a child. And after Samuel was born, uh, in her song, she said, the Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low and he also exalts. Um, that's what the Lord does. Uh, and she was in a position of being very low. And, uh, and the Lord exalted her. Uh, according to his wisdom. Here's Abraham, and this is uh, uh, his servant talking about him. Uh, the Lord has greatly blessed my master so that he's become rich, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. And then his son Isaac. Now Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. It was the work of God in his life uh, that made him rich. And then, of course, we know about Solomon. <clears throat> uh, God said to him, because you have asked for this thing and have not asked for yourself for a long life, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor do you ask uh, for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself for discernment to understand justice and for wisdom. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart 
so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you in all your days. Unfortunately for uh, Solomon, uh, he had all these riches and he ended up using them in an ungodly way. Uh, nonetheless, it was God who gave him the riches. It was not Solomon who generated it uh, on his own. Both wealth and poverty have their downsides. Charles, uh, Martin Luther rather, uh, wrote, poverty has slain a thousand but riches have slain 10,000. They are very uncertain. They promise that which they cannot perform. Neither can they afford a contented mind. Uh, neither one uh, makes one satisfied um, and they're, um, they're not uh, things that uh, will help them uh, being content and that's the message there. Poverty is as dangerous to spirituality as wealth. From the right, and he's going to be talking about riches here, and the next slide will be about uh, poverty. Uh, for example, riches, powers, honors, which often dull men's keenness of sight by, glitter, by the glitter and seeming goodness they display and allure with their blandishments so that captivated, captivated by such tricks and drunk with such sweetness, men forget about God. Uh, that's the downfall of, of riches. They become gods to them. And likewise, let me go back. From the left, for example, there's poverty disgrace, contempt, afflictions, and the like. Thwarted by hardship and, and uh, difficulty of these, they become despondent in mind, cast away assurance, and hope, and are at last completely estranged from God. Uh, so both riches and uh, poverty uh, have their downsides. Both wealth and poverty are passing away. And Charles Spurgeon wrote, if you give your soul up to anything earthly, whether it be the wealth or honors or the pleasures of this world, you might as well hunt after the mirage of the desert or try to collect the mists of the morning or to store up for yourself the clouds of the sky for all these things are passing. Um, that's true of riches and wealth. Uh, they're not lasting. So let's talk about Solomon's teaching on wealth and riches. Um, unfortunately, uh, we're not sticking to one passage. Um, and so I'm going to give you uh, several verses uh, so you can see what the, what the scriptures are saying about uh, wealth and riches. First thing we see is Solomon teaches the same thing about both riches and the poor. The Lord makes both the rich and the poor. If 
Proverbs 22.2, the rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is maker of them all. The Lord makes both the rich and the poor. Um, I really love this verse um, because I think about our own church and I think about what happens every Sunday as we meet together, as we meet together in this room, uh, as we meet in the worship center. Um, there's nothing uh, that tells us about any of us, about whether we're rich or we're poor. Um, you may be sitting beside somebody who is very poor. You may be sitting beside somebody who's very rich um, or somebody in between. And I love that about the church. And we need to remember that God has made us all. He's blessed us all. Uh, just because one is rich does not mean that uh, God has blessed only the rich. Uh, those that are um, in poverty, those who do not have riches, that are going from check to check, the Lord has blessed them as well. And uh, a lot of times blessed them even more than the rich person. Um, so I just love that about the church that we sit next to each other, and what we have in common is that we all love the Lord and we all love each other. Um, and that's, that's the way it ought to be. Proverbs 10.22 says, It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds uh, no sorrow to it. Um, but, uh, and when I say this, uh, this is not a health and wealth uh, sort of teaching because the Lord makes both the rich and, and the poor and so um, both are blessed by the Lord secondly do not let the passion of your life be the pursuit of wealth and I've given you the uh, passages but I'm going to give you uh, print them again uh, so that you can see them Proverbs 23, 4, and 5, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration. Uh, stop it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. Uh, wealth can be gone in a day. Um, we think about, uh, just think about banks these days. Uh, we've had banks that go down and and uh, wealth is destroyed in, in a moment. And so wealth is not something that lasts forever. Proverbs 28:20, 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings that he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. Um, it's important for us, whatever, whatever, wherever we are, that we be faithful. Uh, we'd be faithful in what the Lord has given us to do. And Proverbs 28:22 says, A man with an evil eye hastens after wealth and does not want, uh, and does not know what want will come upon him. Thirdly, always have a strong work ethic and character in regard to wealth. Proverbs 13.11 says that wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. 
And so there's an encouragement that whatever state that we're in, that we work hard. Um, uh, in my career, I always felt that was the right thing to do, is to, to work hard at whatever level I was at. And, and um, then you just trust the Lord to uh, bless you as, as he sees fit. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver or gold. Um, we just need to work hard. Uh, we need to have good character. Uh, we need to let the Lord teach us. Uh, teach us to be faithful to him. Number four, Never let wealth be your security in life. Proverbs 10:15 says, "The rich man's wealth is his fortress." Uh, that's that's a hard statement, uh, you know, when you look at that. But that's what happens to a rich person; it becomes his fortress, and God is not his fortress, and so he's got things uh, turned around. Um, Proverbs eleven twenty eight: He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. Those that trust in the Lord are the ones that will flourish. Proverbs eighteen ten and eleven: The name of the Lord is a strong tower. That's where our security should be. The righteous runs to it, into it, and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own uh, imagination. Uh, that's, that's a great verse. Uh, rich man depends on his wealth, uh, but that's only secure in his own imagination. And lastly, Proverbs uh, 38 to 9, keep deception and lies far from me. This is a prayer. Give me neither poverty nor riches, Feed me with food that is my portion, that I may be full, that I not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or that I be in want and steal and profane, and profane the name of my God. Number five, the first priority of wealth is to honor the Lord. And a second priority of wealth is to provide for others beyond ourselves. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Um, that's the right thing to do. That's the godly thing to do, is that we honor the Lord first uh, with our wealth in, in many ways, whether it's uh, giving to the church or helping others, uh, supporting our missionaries, uh, all those things are giving to the Lord first. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up uh, for the righteous. Um, it's important to uh, think about not just yourself, but to think about your children. And I think this implies, too, that you go beyond your children that you uh, help others with your wealth, uh, help others when you can. Uh, even when you're poor, um, you can help others. 
And that's the attitude that we ought to have. Now I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, what the Lord taught about riches and, and wealth. First of all, Jesus cautioned about storing up treasures on earth in contrast to, sure, uh, to treasures in heaven, which indicates where your treasure is and where your heart will be also. Uh, Matthew, 28, uh, Matthew 9, 19 through 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In a parallel passage in Luke uh, saying uh, primarily the same thing. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves uh, money belts, that is, uh, secure, which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then Jesus contrasted wealth um, uh, as your master versus God as your master and st stated you cannot serve God and wealth. Matthew six twenty four, No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Um, and that, uh, even some of the verses we saw earlier, uh, the tendency on wealth is to, pen, to depend upon wealth and do everything to secure that wealth. And so you're serving wealth. Uh, and that's what the Lord's talking about there, that you can't serve God and serve wealth. You're going to do one or the other. And so he wants us to serve um, the Lord God. Here's a very similar parallel passage. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Thirdly, Jesus taught that wealth was an impediment to the gospel and trusting in God. This is about the, the soils, uh, the parable of the soils. And in Matthew 13, 22, uh, and the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. Um, that's the person that walks away. Uh, and we'll see that with the rich young ruler. He walks away because of his great wealth. Here's the rich young ruler. Uh, Luke 18, to 25. When Jesus heard this, um, and he was told to sell all that he had and give to the poor. And, but it says when Jesus uh, heard that, um, he said, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. 
And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is um, for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle um, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Um, The implication is that the wealthy person is so attached to his wealth, so attached to pursuing wealth, um, that he cannot pursue God. Uh, That was true of the rich young ruler. And the Lord focused on that. It's not that it was wrong for this man to be wealthy, uh, but it was wrong is that he depended upon his wealth. And uh, there are rich people in heaven. Abraham is in heaven. Isaac is in heaven. Uh, There are many rich people in heaven, uh, but they depended upon the Lord God and not upon uh, their riches. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. And it's interesting that he's writing this to Timothy, the young man uh, who's got his life ahead of him. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so here's somebody who professes to be uh, in Christ, but because of wealth, uh, he wanders away from the faith and depends upon his wealth. Uh, You know, I just want you to know that little button right there is too close. And, uh, and I actually, can you, see, can you see this? I actually put a little, almost a little Band-Aid there so that I would not push that button. And I just pushed that button. <laughs> you know, I actually can feel it. And so, shame on me. <laughs> All right. The Apostle Paul's uh, instruction is not to fix our hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but to fix our hope on God. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Instruct those who are rich in this present uh, world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do, do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which uh, is life indeed. Um, The Apostle Paul also talked of the dangers of wealth. I wanted to do uh, something a little bit different here, and that's um, to look at the story of Job. Uh, Job was a very wealthy, wealthy man. Um, So I'm going to do it through pictures. Uh, You're now in Sunday school. uh, And so I'm going to give it to you uh, in pictures here. 
Job had lots of wealth. Um, and so in Job chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, the Lord comes to Satan. Uh, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and always turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him, the hedge of wealth, um, and his house, and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now, and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. And we see that, that, we're seeing that he did not touch him, but he left him with his health. Um, and it turns out his wealth was not a hedge of protection. Um, that's what uh, was determined. Um, and, you know, Job arose, says, um, he tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Um, the the uh, hedge of wealth was not a hedge for Job. It was his God that was uh, his hedge uh, because he trusted in God. In Job 2, verses 3 through 6, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Um, and it's because Job trusted in the Lord. Job did not trust in his wealth. It was all gone. And he still said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. So Job's health was removed from him. And he had these great boils. Um, I, I can't imagine. I, I've had a one boil and it about killed me. I <laughs> uh, think about Job with multiple boils. Um, and uh, let's see what Job's response. First we'll see his wife's response. Job 2, 9 and 10. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? 
In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. His health was not his hedge of protection. Um, What we see that Satan didn't see is that the Lord God was his protection. Um, God was his hedge of protection. Uh, He wrote, I have put confidence, I have, uh, if I have put confidence in gold, Job 31, 24, and 25, and called fine gold my trust, if I have gloated because of my wealth was great, and because my hand had secured so much, and then he had several other ifs, but he ends up by saying, in verse 28, that too would have been an iniquity calling for judgment, for I would have denied the God above. Um, there's Job expressing what his true hedge was, what, he, what his trust was. His trust was in the Lord. And the Lord restored all of his health and all of his wealth. In fact, he gave him double. The Lord restored the for- fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. And then it says, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. And it was because he blessed him. He didn't have to bless him um, with more wealth, um, with health. Uh, You saw Job's reaction. Job was satisfied. He worshiped God even when all was taken away. Uh, But the Lord blessed him in the end, Uh, not because of what he said, but because it was the sovereign God's purpose for Job. It's a great picture of of what God does to a person and trusting in God uh, does to a young man like Job. And you can put your own name in the middle there. uh, And you may not have wealth, you may have uh, just a little wealth. Uh, In our country, The poor people are almost better than anybody in any other country. Um, But you can put your your name in the middle there and uh, ask the question, where is my trust? Am I trusting in the things that I have? Am I trusting in uh, even my church? Or am I trusting in God? And God needs to be uh, the focus of our lives. What's the conclusion of all of this? Wealth is a gift from God, but not even one of the greatest of God's gifts. It was Martin Luther who wrote, wealth is the smallest thing on the earth, the least gift that God has bestowed on mankind. We need to focus on and be thankful for God's many greatest gifts. And I gave you a bunch of verses there and I'm going to print them or uh, let you see them here uh, to see all the different gifts that God has given to us. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a much greater gift than any gift that, uh, any physical gift that we could get. What a wonderful thing to have the Spirit 
of God indwelling uh, believers. Romans 3.24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Um, I love the fact, I, I worship the Lord for the fact that he has justified me and that he has justified uh, those of you who have uh, repented and come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we, ought to, we ought to be thankful for that. We ought to worship, worship God for that. Romans uh, 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in, Je in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someday we will spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great gift. What a great gift to even think about that. Um, 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Who's his indescribable gift? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Are you thankful for the grace of God? Are you thankful for the fact that he gave you and me um, faith to believe in him, to trust in him? What a great gift that is. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, and here we're talking about spiritual gifts, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Um, each one of us has a spiritual gift or maybe several spiritual gifts, and we need to be using those uh, and be thankful for them the things that God has given to us so we can serve him and serve him in his church. This is a great verse to end on, and it's on your sheets. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boasts of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Do you boast in your riches? Or do you boast in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you boast in the fact that he saved us? That's where each one of, uh, each one of us needs to do. And if there's anyone that is not in Christ, if you're relying on other things, riches, houses, family, uh, any other thing, if you're not relying on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not in Christ, if you've not come to uh, faith in Christ and uh, turning from your sin, I plead with you to do that today. Everything else is not lasting. It's all going to be gone. And uh, even as we look at our own world today, our own country, uh, you can see that a lot of the things we counted on are going away. Um, and that's exactly what happens. So we need to be trusting only in God. He's our only security. He's our only hedge against everything. Let's close in prayer. 
Our Father, we do thank you for the great and awesome God that you are. Uh, you are the only one that we can trust. You're the only reliable, reliable one that we can trust. And we trust you for life. We trust you for spiritual life. And we thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus who, who came and gave his life in our place, died in our place, shed his blood for us. Uh, what a wonderful gift that is. And you not only did that, you didn't leave us to ourselves. You, you gave us the faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a great gift that is. And we thank you for the gift of your spirit who lives within us, who guides us, who teaches us, who convicts us of our sin, and who helps us through all of the tough times in our lives. And, and we just uh, thank you for all of this. What great gifts you have given to us. Help us to be faithful in how we use those gifts. Help us to be faithful in our uh, service and depending upon you. And if there's anyone in this room that is not in Christ, I pray that you would open their hearts, that you would give them the faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to turn from their sin. And uh, just thank you again for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.